On the seventh Sunday of Eastertide, we continue our series on stewarding our resources and exploring our own money stories. Today, we are called to a process of restoring our relationships with God, with others, and with our finances. We revisit a story of reconciliation between rival twin brothers, Jacob and Esau, after decades apart. Let us open our minds and our hearts and join them near the eastern banks of the Jordan River and hear how this story speaks to us today. Jacob looked up and saw Esau approaching with 400 men. Jacob divided his children among his wives, Leah, Rachel, and the two women servants. He put the servants and their children first, Leah and her children after them, and Rachel and his son Joseph last. He himself went in front of them and bowed to the ground seven times as he was approaching his brother. But Esau ran to meet him, threw his arms around his neck, kissed him, and they wept. Esau looked up and saw the woman and the children and said, who are these with you? Jacob said, the children that God generously gave your servant. The woman servants and their children came forward and bowed down. Then Leah and her servants also came forward and bowed. And afterwards, Joseph and Rachel came forward and bowed. Esau said, what's the meaning of this entire group of animals that I met? Jacob said, to ask for my master's kindness. Esau said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what's yours. Jacob said, no, please. Do me the kindness of accepting my gift. Seeing your face is like seeing God's face. Since you've accepted me so warmly, take this present that I've brought because God has been generous to me and I have everything I need. So Jacob persuaded him and he took it. Esau said, let's break camp and set out and I'll go with you. The wisdom of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We're going to hear now from the Gospel of John. As the grief-stricken disciples have now seen Jesus, the resurrected one, appear to them twice. This is from the Gospel according to John. Later, Jesus himself appeared again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and this is how it happened. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, or the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two other disciples were together. 
And Simon Peter told them, I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll go with you. And so they set out in a boat, but throughout the night, they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. And Jesus called to them, children, have you caught anything to eat? And they answered, no. And he said, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And so they did. And there were so many fish that they couldn't even haul in the net. And then the disciple whom Jesus loved, called John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he wrapped his coat around himself, or he was naked, and he jumped into the water. And the other disciples followed in the boat, dragging the full net of fish, for they weren't very far from the shore, only about mm, 100 yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire over there with fish in it, fish on it, and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. Simon Peter got up and pulled the net to the shore. It was full of large fish, 153. Yet the net hadn't torn, even with so many fish. And Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast. None of the disciples could bring themselves to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they finished eating, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, Barjona, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Simon replied, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, take care of my sheep. Jesus asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Simon replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, take care of my sheep. And he asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was sad that Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? And he replied, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. the good news of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. God, whether we are feeling estranged this morning and a need for reconciliation, like those twins by the river, or whether we're grief-stricken or distraught or confused like the disciples, we ask you to meet us where we are and that the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts may be truly acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our rock and our redeemer, let the people say. These are two stories that I love, one from the first book of the Bible and one from the fourth gospel. I did not choose them. They were assigned to me by the curriculum we've been following throughout this stewardship season about our money story. And they are stories of reconciliation, of restoring as part of our theme. Now, I'm gonna to try to bring them together today and we'll see how it works. But let me talk about the first story that Stella read. 
This is one of the most beautiful passages I know. It often brings tears to my eyes whenever I read it aloud. And some of you may know the Jacob and Esau story from Sunday school or from Western art and history. But if you don't know it, I'm pretty sure you know the contours of it. It starts out with Isaac and Rebekah, two parents. They're the second generations of our ancient mothers and fathers, the parents of our faith, which I just have to say, I love reading their stories because they're so imperfect and messed up. When I read the stories of Jesus, I often get a little annoyed because Jesus is so perfect. But when I read these stories, I'm like, maybe I'm not so bad after all. <laughs> Jesus is who I aspire to be like. These are the folks I recognize in myself and in others. So Isaac and Rebecca have children. It's getting on in age for both of them. They thought Rebecca couldn't have kids, and they got pregnant, and there were these twins, fraternal twins, inside her, and they were fighting inside there. She could feel it. Morning sickness was horrible. She said, if this is the case with pregnancy, why do I live? And God said to her, you have two warring people in you, and they will be warring nations, and the younger will supplant the older. Rebecca didn't know what that meant at the time, but she learned. And when they came out of the womb, Esau was first, and he was ruddy and hairy, and they named him Esau, which means hairy. And Jacob came out, and the story is that he was clutching onto Esau's heel. And Yaakov, Jacob, means supplanter, the one who grabs. And it was like that the rest of their lives as they came out of the womb. Some of the stories about them were that they, as the firstborn, Esau, had a right to the birthright. And there was a moment when he'd been out working in the fields, and he was, he was a, a strong guy. Uh, if I were casting the movie Ruddy and Harry, I'd probably put Seth Rogen in the role of Esau, just to add a little humor into it. He'd been out working in the fields. He came in, he was famished, and Jacob was creating a pot of stew. And Jacob said, uh, uh, I'm so hungry, I need to eat. And Jacob said, well, would you sell me your birthright for this pot of stew? And Esau, in his food crank, said, sure, anything. Why do I care about my birthright if I can't even live right now? And Jacob swindled his birthright from his brother. That was not transferable in those days. That was a done deal. Jacob, uh, and also Esau really had a bond with his father Isaac because Isaac liked wild game and Esau went out and hunted. Jacob, on the other hand, was inside. He was perhaps a little prettier. I'd cast Timothy Chalamet in that role. He and Rebecca had a bond. There was a moment also when, after they'd become adults, Esau had already married, that Jacob wanted to get his father's blessing. And his father, by this time, was going blind and couldn't see very well. And Rebecca, his mom, and Jacob schemed. And he went in, dressed in his brother's heavy, smelly clothing. He put goat skin on his, on his arms to be hairy like his brother. And he cooked, had his mom cooked up some goats that would taste like the wild game. And he brought it into his, his father. And he got his father's blessing. It was a spiritual blessing for his legacy. That also was not transferable. Jacob swindled both things out from his brother. When Esau realized this, he said, I'm going to kill my brother. And so Rebekah said, Jacob, you've got to get out of here. You have to go far, far away. And he did that, and he started his own life in another country with another family. The scene we just heard that Stella read for us is so beautiful to me because after two decades apart of estrangement, 
of all this scheming that had happened in their family of origin, they finally meet, and they're both very successful at this time. Jacob is bringing 600 animals to give to his brother, plus all their wives and children, all their servants. And Jacob treats it as a ritual. It's almost like two warring bands coming together on the plain. And Jacob bows down seven times, and Esau will have none of it. He grasps his brother in a big hug. They weep. And the line that always gets me is Jacob says to his brother, to see you is like to see God's face. Now, they still had some troubles after that, but they were involved with restoring their relationship. And God is about restoring things. If you didn't know the specifics of the story, I know you knew the contours because it's a story we hear all the time. It's the story of Putin and the West. It's the story of the Israelis and 